0: Hello and welcome to the Developing Dads Podcast. I'm your host, Gordon, and alongside my brother, Neil, we're going to explore life as two young dads trying to figure this whole parenting thing out. Join us every Monday. We will aim to share our thoughts on how we raise our families, invest our time, and explore anything and everything that interests us. Ladies and gentlemen, very, very warm welcome to the Developing Dads Podcast. This is take number four, day two of an attempt to try and get an episode out. We had uh, we had a few technical issues. I was a bit of a stroppy teenager. I was hungry. I was tired. I'd been working late. And it just didn't work yesterday. But here we are, the day after, trying to get this podcast done and recorded. We use a, a software thing called Riverside, which, you know, Neil would agree, I'm sure, that when it works, it's fantastic. But when it doesn't work, it's an absolute ball ache. So... You, there's, i think they're all kind of a bit rubbish they're all not amazing the most foolproof way for us has been like recording in person right we've had basically touch wood nothing fail when we, when we record in person we've got high quality zoom h6 thing that we record on a couple of microphones anyway i'm absolutely rambling yes and welcome back to the developing dads podcast we're on episode 25 25 neil again i just i shouldn't be surprised at this but <laughs> 25 feels good
1: it does feel good it does feel good out of interest, what's your what's your most favorite part of the whole process? So we kind of go through a workflow of like think of an idea, write down some notes, record it, post production. I'm meant to create some reels for Instagram. <clears throat> what's your kind of favorite part?
0: I, I don't I don't actually know. I quite I quite love all of it. I don't know that seems, <laughs> yeah. that seems like. So first of all, I like playing with new toys. So I like the fact that we've played with a few different types of microphone setups. I've got like I've had to research the type of thing to plug it all in. Like you had to do a bit of research. We kind of collaborated on it as well. Like we had some feedback. You know, Neil's got a new, a new a new cable, so we're all green cabled up. If you're looking at it on on Instagram, you know, just that research part I really enjoyed. Then also the technology that we use to be able to record the podcast, like I was kind of excited about like what can we make work? How can we make it work? How can we make it high quality? Because I first of all hate podcasts that sound like they're filmed in a tin can. And I think ours sounds like really good. Like it sounds high quality, I think. Anyway. Yeah,
1: I kind of I kind of just turn it off if it sounds rubbish, generally. Yeah,
0: (laughs) yeah, exactly. And then so all that bit there. And then actually like having a conversation with you once a week, it feels it feels really good. Like, I, I know we've got topics that we talk about, and we go over some bits and pieces, but I don't know, it, like last week when we, we went to Tower Bridge and recorded a podcast, like that's pretty cool. <laughs> that,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. It's almost like a, a, th- a therapy session, I don't know, you feel like, not a weights lift off your shoulders, but a bit of a relief. I don't know, you've just, you've just done something productive, creative, and I also enjoy like thinking of the topic, so some of the topics we we we've discussed quite in depth, like what is happiness? Or like your biggest fears or your biggest challenges or goals for the year, and like you might think about them on and off, but you don 't actually note them down and, and and make them a thing
0: but isn't it, it isn't it because cool. it's so easy as a dad, especially as a dad, I think, keeping it relevant obviously to the podcast, <laughs> but as a dad like you, you've got so much so many you've got so much stuff like when you get into your thirties you 've got all so like so many things to have to think about where you've got to be a good husband you 've got to be a good father you've got to be a good colleague you 've got to be a good boss, you've got to be you've got to be good to yourself. Like all this stuff, like how do you like how do you juggle it all? And then, you know, how do you actually get an opportunity to sit down and what Carl Newport would do, deep work. That's a very good book, apparently. I haven't read it, but it's about basically taking time to yourself to sit down and think about stuff. Like just sit and write. Yeah. And I feel like that part of it, just like you're talking about, the enjoyable part of the fact that we sit down and actually think about just stuff that we just wouldn't normally have time for. Like, am I yeah, happy? Yeah. You know, like Definitely. today's episode goes into the idea of what the hardest moments we've had of being a dad. And sure, it's probably going to be some slightly negative aspects of this, but it also makes me very grateful for the fact that A, they have not potentially happened and rationalizing them, just thinking about them, which, yeah. So, and then they're pro- producing it and like making it, like putting it out there and having people say they like it. That's
1: pretty good. Yeah, cool. Whole process. Anyway, how's your week been so far? How's how's my week been?
0: Last weekend? Oh yeah, we had a big family barbecue, which was, you know, it's kind of, they're quite distant uh, family members of Laura's. So they're Laura's mum's like brothers, cousins, her grandfather was there. So Laura's mum's dad, his brother was there. So her great, great uncle, I think. And then his wife, <laughs> That's and a then, a then his the his kids, you know, who then had kids. So it was like at oh, all a whole like a whole affair, but it was lovely, you know, getting to meet people, see them. since I Haven't seen them since the wedding, so having sort of chats about stuff and going over some bits and pieces. But generally speaking, like the whole weekend was very chilled, and I quite quite like the fact that if my Monday to Friday is quite kind of boom 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 boom, let's go, let's get stuff done. I like when a weekends aren't busy. Because it helps me recharge, I think. (laughs) And then, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then even today, getting the vlog out, still being successful. It's probably nearly a month in, which which is pretty good. And we've still been producing videos and onboarding another editor this week to help with various tasks that we need completed so we can do some more cool stuff. Planning for my holiday... Just just working, really just getting stuff done, and then tomorrow tomorrow's nice. gonna be a good one ali Ali does about eight hundred to nine hundred thousand pounds a year on a thing called Skillshare oh yeah yeah I've heard of that. right so he's got about twelve or thirteen lessons on there for various things, and he does nearly nine hundred grand a year on that right mental <laughs> passive, totally passive, so he doesn't have a premier pro editing course. So I said I would do one and create one. And we'll go 50-50 on it. So whatever oh. revenue it generates, I get 50%. And I just basically have to make it, put it up there, and then that'll be a bit of a passive income stream for me.
1: Nice. So you're spending the whole day tomorrow kind of figuring it out, what to record, what to... So I've I've, I've got on. it
0: all like written down. It's ready to go. I just need to record it. I'm hiring an editor to edit it for me, so I'll pay them. And then, yeah, because Ali's away, he's doing some founder's retreat, you know, tech bro entrepreneur getaway thing in norfolk so then oh. he's away doing that so then i'm going to yeah film this course and hopefully it makes me many monies to pay for the house because <laughs> that costs many monies nice. anyway neil nice. enough about me ranting and and going off on things how uh, how has your week been and how was your weekend
1: yeah so for everyone listening it's wednesday so we're kind of halfway through the week Last week was a bit of a mad week and you'll see from the Tower Bridge episode when we get live. Hopefully we can get the YouTube up because we got harassed by some security guards. But they're very polite. They were very good. So yeah, I was in London all last week, kind of five days, which was quite a long stretch, especially for Rebecca being away or me being away and Rebecca dealing with the with the three kids. So the weekend was kind of me taking taking dad duties on full steam ahead, so took the kids to the Safari Park on Saturday and then sunday did a nice long 15 mile run at 5am and then went to a bar not a barbecue friend's hold house
0: hold on a 15 mile run at 5am on what day sunday
1: sunday yeah
0: <laughs> here's me here's me chatting away about how i decided that
1: you know i like a nice chill weekend <laughs> Neil's getting up at
0: 5am and going for a 15 mile run
1: yeah it feels good and you can like you can run on roads there's no there's no cars there's no people just you can do what you want. You're just on anyway. bone with your thoughts and escaping the
0: terrors <laughs> that
1: lay at home. Got home just as they're waking up, which is nice. And then yeah, went to a friend's house most of the day, had pizza, beers, and then straight into it for work. Work's been pretty pretty good. Pretty standard stuff. Looking forward to next week. Don't know if you you, you should be off Thursday, Friday, are you? Pop- we are. Sick. It's the Queen's Jubilee, Dad's favourite day. Yeah. So yeah, we're, we're off It's a short week next week, which is nice.
0: Just, just to clarify for everyone who's listening on the podcast, I do have a bit of a cold, and with this cold in particular, I do feel the need to sneeze permanently. So if I have to like mute myself or go quiet for any reason, it's because I've basically just lost myself. And I also have the in, I have the the unique talent, as uh, Laura would definitely put it, that I
1: uh, find it very difficult to sneeze quietly.
0: I sneeze. That's with, a gre-
1: That's a greenhorn thing. Is it? Are you are you not capable of doing that either. No, hiccups okay. as well. Hiccups. I am so loud.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's impossible though. How how do people sneeze quietly? Like what a yeah, waste of what a waste of a, a, a you know a third of an <laughs> orgasm or whatever it's called. So <laughs> what it is, is it? right? So shall we crack on with today's today's podcast and the topic? It it is episode twenty five, and it's going to be about the hardest moments of being a dad. Y- these aren't. I. I don't. I. I guess I don't really listen to bad dad podcasts. I probably should to get some inspiration, but I don't feel like some of the negative things and the sort of the dark side of becoming a dad and the terrifying side of becoming a dad is really talked about or expressed that often, or certainly not. Not what I've heard. And usually when I meet up with other dads, you know, you talk about it and you have a little chat, but you don't really kind of go into depth about it. You know, you don't go right into it. So I, I'd, I'd be keen to see, you know. What your thoughts are on a few things, and if you experience them, and hopefully anyone who's potentially listening, that it's helpful for you that maybe some of these things are perfectly normal, and we've experienced them, and you'll probably experience them as well at some point. Maybe some of them might be a bit more unique to you and what you go through, but for us, there's I'm sure there'll be a few things that we'll go through and, and discuss. My my first one, Neil, is, this. this was actually the most terrifying one of all of them. <laughs> and this is the reason why I start with it. I know it's, it sounds funny, but it was actually pretty terrifying. Like I was I was scared about this. It's it's basically what Laura went through after she's given birth. So for about 2 weeks after giving birth, there's kind of this I don't know what it's called. I by the way I'm not an expert so I'm making assumptions. But all of these hormones start flooding back and there's like all sorts of like bodily changes, hormone changes, all sorts of things are going on after giving birth and for like a two or three week period, Laura's kind of moods and emotions are like up and down. Like all like literally all over the place. And you hear about sort of what looking out for baby blues and baby depression or postpartum depression, like all these kind of things. And Laura, you know, I I don't think she'll mind me talking about this. Hope she won't. But she would just, you know, cry about nearly anything, get really irrational and worried about lots of things, you know, just be really sort of just, just really kind of down and quite sad and negative. And I was so worried that there was, there was, you know, this baby blue thing that you've got to watch out for, which, you know, can be really serious. And I I didn't know what to do. I was just, I was so worried that this was something that was going to actually become something. But I, I kept telling myself like, this is probably normal. This is probably a perfectly normal thing. Like imagine carrying a child for nine months and suddenly just giving birth. And it's, it's gone, you know, it's not that, not that bodybuilding in any way is like childbirth, but there's kind of the sort of that when you finish your bodybuilding prep for six, 10 months, or whatever you've been doing it for, there is this sense of loss, even, you know, this kind of like your routine's gone and you don't know what to do. And this is kind of weird post-show blues that you feel. And yes, I'm not saying that giving birth is exactly the same, but it's the only way I could empathize yeah, or really understand as yeah. a man. So I don't know, did you, did you experience any of that kind of thing?
1: Yeah so I mean Rebecca I mean we've been through obviously two 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 births and both times it's been pretty hard and like you've also got to think of the sleep deprivation that's going to cause um as well from a mood point of view but yeah it's, it's something that you kind of as a dad you're not taught to look out for but maybe warned to look out for in terms of how the mum is reacting and because I mean, it can get it can get pretty severe. Where I mean, there's extreme cases of mothers just going off the rails, and and kind of going down a deep dark path longer than two weeks. So yeah, I'd say we definitely experienced some of that, but thankfully we we came out of the other end, and we lived to tell the tale. <laughs> yes,
0: yes, Neil. Interesting ending. <laughs> and I'm I'm trying to think of like a, a helpful part to this, where there is obviously things to look out for, and sometimes it's going to be normal. And things like your doctor and your health visitor and all these things will, will play a role within just checking and making sure the leaves okay and there's there's always sort of NHS twenty four or nine nine one one or something or whatever it is in, in England. You can still talk to those people and I and I think you should. And even talk to like your mother in law potentially. She'll probably have like some thoughts on it, maybe even your own mother, like just talk to people about it and just, you know, pass like open up. I, I probably didn't talk to Laura about it because I kind of wanted to be a little bit strong for her. I didn't want her to think she'd like, add on another thing on top of all. So I kind of avoided talking to her about it until I thought, you know, maybe this is going a bit too far or something really, really bad's happening. Because she was still feeding Olivia really well. Still coping with it, generally speaking, from like most, like what you would expect from someone that's just given birth for two weeks. So that was okay but i would probably suggest that you like air it somewhere talk to your mate let's have a kid or just find a way to talk about it because it can be it be quite it can be quite harrowing and quite difficult and yeah. i i suppose one way that i realized was just that i knew that this this, this wouldn't last forever or at least i was i was really hoping that it wouldn't last forever and that we'll get through it and it's probably just part of like a normal process so hugging comforting helping going for walks like doing all the stuff that makes you happy like go outside like give do a bath like, you know, rubber feet, like just be a nice husband and just do everything that you would do as kind as you can, help tidy up, like take the baby, like do all those kind of things and it will settle down. I think that's...
1: Yeah. You know, no, that's pretty, any pretty, advice. Yeah, pretty any solid advice. Can,
0: advice. <laughs> any advice I can offer, that's pretty much it.
1: <laughs> so I, I thought I'd start my first one going like before the baby's born. So it, as a new dad or... Uh, a dad that's expecting there's a lot of hard moments there's a lot of things you've got to process so can you provide enough are you going to be able to juggle work-life balance home duties and also the kind of the nuances of pregnancy so a lot of pregnancies are different and I come from speaking with having twins that we went down uh, a rabbit hole well not a rabbit hole but we went down a a pretty stressful time with Lewis who has it's been fine fine all up until now. He's almost four and he's a healthy young boy. But during that pregnancy, every week we would go in, get scanned, get checked, measure the cysts, see how they're getting on in his lungs and that kind of thing. And that whole period of like six months was just such a worrying period because you just did not know, A, is he going to survive? B, is he going to make it during labour? What's labour going to be like? All that stuff. So, yeah, that's my kind of first hardest moment and it's trying to trying to process that and again it's quite hard to get advice because every situation is different especially with babies are complicated complicated things you've got twin births you've got single births you've got heart issues you've got breathing issues but yeah just i guess speak to speak to your wife about it
0: did you ever did, I just, did you ever think on that front so when you were worrying about you know juggling everything and home duties and you know doing all that stuff that we've probably talked about quite a lot on the the Developing Dads podcast, do you do you ever think that you, you kind of looked at society as a whole? A lot of people have had children,
1: right? Yeah.
0: And oh, that's, yeah, definitely. Some people have less of their shit together than other people, right? I think everyone agree with that. That's not a controversial thing to say. But they've managed to raise children. Like, there's generally, some people sometimes are very disorganized or terrible with their finances or... You know you get in a car and you're like why is there a crisp packet here from 1996?
1: <laughs> like Yeah, no, I de- I definitely I'd say compared myself to to other people that had kids and like if they can do it I can do it. Yeah, cuz I think I think if you if you truly think about the task
0: that you're about to take on, genuinely if you think about it t- raising a child, having more children, that that couldn't be so that couldn't be any further away from what you're currently doing, especially if it's your first child. Like it's miles away where you're now how many of us have actually looked after an animal (laughs) successfully yeah yeah and now suddenly we have a a human being that we're responsible for you know almost legally without even asking We're, we're responsible you know that's what we've got to look after and i think if you actually thought about it and had no examples of people actually being able to do it then i'd have been pretty terrified but i think yeah just because i kind of knew you know if you watch channel 4 like benefits britain or whatever else like People have managed to raise children; like they've managed yeah, to keep them yeah. going, and I think that's, that also showed me like how robust they are. Really,
1: yeah. No, I think that's that's right. But as with everything, and you, you can look on the outside and, and see someone's done it before, but until you get there or until you process it yourself, it can be it can be hard.
0: Definitely. the the The, the next next one for me, which it, it seems really silly. Because you know we've we've managed to evolve as a human race to have seven billion people on the planet, which is largely you know down to the medical profession and survival rates of mothers and children and all that kind of thing during birth and whatnot. But I was al- I was always like I, I didn't think I'd ever be this dad, but I was always worried. I was like, is she breathing? Is she is she, bre- is she breathing? Oh, <laughs> yeah. my oh my god! Oh my god! I can't I can't see her! I can't see her breathing! Is she breathing? Is she breathing? She's breathing! She's definitely is she breathing? Is she? Shh shh. Yeah, she's breathing. Yeah, 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 I think she's breathing. Oh, is she breathing? He was just, you know, she's asleep. And, you know, the weird, the weirdest thing happened to me where, I don't know if you got this, but we slept in separate rooms just certainly for like through the week because I'd be working and it felt sensible to do that. But I'd wake up in like a cold sweat wondering where Olivia was. Like, where is she? What What's happened? <laughs> wow. like, is she breathing? Genuinely, like I was having night terrors.
1: Yeah. No, I, did. I, I, didn't, I didn't get that.
0: Oh, Oh, it's just me then.
1: (laughs) I'm sure there's other dads out there. But even even to this day, so a prime example was this morning. Um, I was with Rebecca. Isla normally wakes up about six, half six. And, And this morning she woke up at quarter to eight. So in my head, I'm like, it's half six. I haven't heard her. It's getting to quarter to seven. Still haven't heard her. Should I nip into her bedroom and see if she's still breathing? Is she Okay. Like, oh, I kind of process that for the for the next hour until she actually surfaces because I don't want to wake her up because she'll either be in a bad mood or she needs a rest and that kind of thing. But yeah, I think I think that never changes. I think you still yeah, it's still it's, have that worry.
0: It's so it's you know when when you kind of you, you hear mums that will be like phone maybe when you get in, you know, tell me you're <laughs> home okay yeah. or on time or whatever else. You're like, nah, I won't be that parent. Nah, I won't be that parent. I bloody well. You know, yeah. I'll be when she's out and about and I'm waiting for her to come home, I'll stay up. It's, it's weird, isn't it? It's, it's this kind of like, it's it's one of the, yeah, definitely an odd experience that I've had. I mean, I, I used to have it with like Laura when she used to go out, I guess. I'd want to know that she got home safe or whatever else. But even more so, like the whole, is she breathing? Like, you know, I put my hand on her chest, just or two fingers on her chest, just to make sure it's going up and down. And those night terror things were very odd. I, d- I don't know what they came from, but you know, I was just, yeah, I'd just wake up and be like, oh my God, is she, is she, is she awake? I don't know what's going on. Oh my, oh, where, where is she? You know, oh, wow. Weird. Yeah. Very weird. I don't know if that's the hardest moment, but it's definitely something that I was, I was like, this is, this is odd. But yeah, it was pretty hard, I guess.
1: Yeah. So mine's quite, quite a big one, next one. So I'll just read it out from my notes. So juggling demands and fitting in personal time being selfish and how my career aspirations have changed as I've had three children now. So yeah, just that whole thing of juggling the demands of now three children, a wife that I want to support, a house that I need to upkeep, a job that I need to kind of maintain and progress in and also have some personal time to develop my running, develop me as a person, chill out, mental health, is a hell of a lot and I, I, don't, I don't think there's any there's no magic magic kind of formula to get it right. You've just got to got to run with it, especially in the early days, run with it, try and see what works. Now I feel like I'm in a bit of a flow where I, I can get up relatively early because I don't mind that. I can go for my run, which doesn't impact any of the family time. And I can still be there and I work from home a lot. That's obviously helped. But yeah, during the kind of early days of being a dad, juggling demands and, and fitting did, in did time. You, did you
0: find it hard? Did you find it hard to... Either did you find it hard to make the choice? Because you have to. There's a point. There's a point where you have to make that choice, right? If if you either have to, you can't sleep as much as you want to. Because if you want to go for a run, then you've either got to do it before the kids are awake, or just basically whenever you can, which is normally going to be like five o'clock on a Sunday morning to go run for fifteen kilometers miles so, you know but yeah. miles who cares <laughs> do you do you do, did you find it hard to to make that choice and did you ever have this kind of like odd conundrums in your head where you're like oh if i don't do this then this will happen but if i do it then i'll be tired or if i don't do it then you know the, am i gonna like not feel very good and then does that mean i'm not gonna spend time with my kids properly or because i'm going for a run i'm not gonna spend time with my kids like how was that quite hard
1: yeah, so yeah, there's definitely a, a hard decision-making aspect. Then you go into the kind of the rabbit hole of if I do this run, then I will live longer, I will be happier, I'll be fitter. I could run around the park every night with the kids and not get tired. But the, the biggest thing I feel is guilt. And not so much now because the kids are older, I'd say a little easier, but I'm not keen on that. I think it, doesn't, it never gets easier, just different problems different things happen. But certainly when the kids were younger and newborn age, I felt very guilty leaving the house, going for that half an hour run, 20 minute walk, because I knew that Rebecca was now stuck in the house on her own with those kids. So yeah, it was probably more guilt than the decision, do I go or not?
0: That's still hard, though, I guess, isn't it? Yeah. That that guilt that you get. And I I get it when, you know, I leave the house and, you know, Laura's looking after Livrio all day. I don't know how deman- how demanding she can be, and yeah. I, I find that really hard. Like, I find it hard to leave in the morning because but you've got I duties, can't. but but I have to because I have to make the choice, right? You have to make that hard decision fundamentally. Yeah. Where and in some some days it's not as hard as others. Let's be honest, but it's still hard because but I've still got to go. Like I can't I can't not go because it, we 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 have the the dry <laughs> the dry house with nice windows and a nice kitchen extension, hopefully. You know, that's 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 that makes difference, and it is hard to think about that, and it's hard to have to think about. Well, if I do this now, it's going to be a good thing for my future, and you know I'll be able to chase the grandkids, hopefully, if I have any of those. But it means that I have to sacrifice a bit of sleep right now, or quite a lot of sleep, or I have to sacrifice time with the kids.
1: Yeah, there's always going to be sacrifices.
0: Did you did you find it hard? Time. Did you find it hard? Obviously, financially, when you take on take on a family or you you choose to have a family financially things change you know your income is either halved or at least you know a third of it's gone and you're also got the expenses of having kids like they want to do stuff right they want to they want to go for a sweetie which you wouldn't normally go for
1: yeah no uh, did you find the
0: sacrifices do you find the sacrifices harder like not having to think more about buying that pint or that coffee or that i don't know that silly purchase that you might have or not going on that holiday that you'd like to go on that kind of thing
1: yeah it's a good question I definitely think about what I spend and where I spend it and what I spend it on I'm very quite calculated I don't go out that much I don't go on benders spend 150 quid in a pub type things but certainly like, and I feel very grateful and lucky saying this I'd say we scrimp and save because we want to do nice things and go nice places but I've never had to worry about getting food on the table or buying that sweetie. I've always had a career or a job that has allowed me to progress up the chain to earn enough money to maintain what I need to maintain. So yeah, and like that's uh, very privileged to say that. But you even had, from a you, young age.
0: You did have that moment though when, when you were sort of made redundant and you were kinda of put on the, the waiting list or whatever it was called.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Was that so a time that, that was that was pretty hard, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, that was very hard and it was just a case of, we can go, I think we're going to, I don't know what episode number, but in case of getting a new job or just figuring out your finances. So we looked at all the options of like, how can we get mortgage holidays? Can we speak to other companies? And like, you'll find that most companies can give you like at least three months, no questions asked. So you could phone up your mortgage company tomorrow and say, I need a payment holiday for three months. And generally, they're not going to question it they'll just say yes if you do it again and again they're obviously going to question it and it may impact your your credit rating but for an initial three months then there's no issues so yeah I, I did kind of worry but then on the other hand I was quite confident in getting a new job and I, I, I've never really been worried about money and I think it's probably because I, I don't have a lavish lifestyle like my mortgage isn't that expensive I don't have big crazy debt I don't have that fancy car that costs lots a month I, don't know, I live pretty frugal
0: or silly like high end desires, I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah, certainly. Yeah, You're all right yeah. with all right. Yeah,
0: you know exactly, and that's and, and that's, that's not. I think a, a lot of the time, this is probably not necessarily going on the the root of our hardest moments of being a dad. <laughs> but it, but there's part of that is you know being okay with okay. I, I I like broccoli. I mean, it's not a donut, but it's it's not. I'm not eating dog shit. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it's okay. Like it's perfectly okay. Or I remember today we were there's a company called Athletic Greens. Maybe one day we'll get the Developing Dad pod- podcast sponsored by them. But Athletic Greens are like a a greens drink, you know, with like broccoli and stuff, yeah. and spirulina and things in it. It doesn't taste great, but n- nearly n- not many people in the office liked it. Like oh, this, t- this tastes pretty bad. Like it doesn't taste that bad. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, and yeah. I, and I think. Being okay with okay means that a you don't get yourself into lots of debt. You don't like chase after things that are out with your normal sort of price range. Like me and you could probably sell our properties and then go and buy a Ferrari for a year, but we'd be skint and we'd just have a Ferrari.
1: <laughs> yeah, but, or, or we could. I could get a Range Over on finance if I really wanted, but I'm not yeah. going to do that. Yeah, because it's
0: you don't need to, and it's 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 not something you need something that's practical fundamentally. So I guess that's probably part of it that this is why you've never really had to worry about money because you've you've never really had a, a thirst for stuff that you don't really need and that's not yeah. not just okay.
1: Yeah, and it, it kind of moves nicely on to my next point which is like I wouldn't say it's the hardest moments but certainly it, it changed the way I thought of my career aspirations, having kids and before kids or even during Isla, like my first child Isla, seven years old now I was very motivated to climb the career ladder and just like progress, 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 earn more money, earn more money, earn more money. And like I went through a period of every year to get a new job, generally I step up the ladder closer to the management team. And then the boys came along. So I think it was probably throughout the whole, most of ILA, the boys came along. And then I kind of took a step back and was like, why? Like now I'm in this position of, with, with Shark Tower. And yeah, like my, I think my, Made my yearly reviews coming up, which they do in June. And I'm like, what do I want? What do I want out of the, like out of my career now? Like, I, I don't know. It comes back to I'd I like to earn a little bit more money, of course, but I, I don't necessarily want more responsibilities. I don't want to work any more hours. I, I'm just comfortable just now, and I, I, think, I, I think I think that's okay. But I don't know.
0: <laughs> I think there's I think there's two things going on there. One, you've probably got to a salary that would be classified as it buys you happiness, because I think there's, there's, a, there's like statistically like a threshold, right? Yeah. A certain yeah, yeah. amount that you can get to, or roughly where you get to that fundamentally earning more, you're just kind of saving more, really, or you're just buying yeah. more stuff. So you're probably close to that or at that. So that's that's going to have an impact of whether or not you you know do you actually want to work harder because really the there's a diminishing return potentially where you have to put more time in. You don't necessarily get much more money. Do you know what I mean? Where there's yeah. a certain threshold. So I think you're kind of probably at that. I'd also say that it, with that, you're probably in that middle middle management stage where you can see the six-figure job, but it's kind of like you're in that period, that, that the bit where there's that diminishing return where you have to put the work in for the next 10 years to get that six-figure job. But you're yeah. like, I've got a kid, and I'm pretty tired. Like, <laughs> you know, I don't, re- I don't really need that anymore. I just want to run. <laughs> yeah. So, I, not, but I also think there's periods in your life that you should just coast, because you don't have time for everything, you don't have energy for everything, you don't have energy, you don't have the passion, the attitude, the. Perhaps confidence as well, because there's like that graph, I can't remember what it's called, but it's essentially, you know, the more you know, the less you know.
1: Yeah, in I've effect. Seen, seen that.
0: So you probably get to that point where you're like, I've, I'm not an expert because this person's an expert, they know way more than me. But equally, I am an expert because I'm better than that person, but I'm in this middle ground of being kind of humbled that I know, I know what I know, but I know what I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. So yeah, I guess there's kind of parts of that. But then equally, equally, I think there's a certain point where you perhaps have to consider what do I, you know, what would what would it look like when I'm 40? Because you start jumping in gaps of age. So rather than just being like, oh, it doesn't really matter, this is what would be nice to do next year or next year. Whereas now it's probably better to be like, in 10 years, this is what I'd like my life to be, and then chart back a little bit from there and be like, okay. I don't mind if my 31, 32, I'm coasting a little bit, not really thinking too much, enjoying good family time. But the kids are going to grow up, right? They're going to go to secondary school. They're not going to need dad all of the time. So when I'm 40, that's probably when they're going to be in their teenage years, where they're going to be out with their friends. They're not going to need me. I'll have much more spare time. So perhaps I all in be on career. Correct. But, or, yeah. but at least you could probably start preparing yourself a bit more for that opportunity. So if there's weaknesses within your... Within your repertoire, I guess, or certain things that I don't know if you've like interviewed for a job, perhaps, and then they turn around and they're like, "Hey, you know, your finance thing could be better, or your management skills could be better, or your experience in this thing could be better." You start taking night classes, or you start learning things. So you're, you, I don't know. That's that's I'm not a career advisor, but that seems. Yeah,
1: we're we're digressing, but I think it's it's solid advice, and it's something that, like, I think dads will come up, especially when they go through their first, second, or third child, is. I think your career aspirations will probably change, and maybe you want to coast.
0: Because a hard part of becoming a dad, you lose—you you actually lose that sense of self a little bit. Like everything you do is now for the collective. Whereas I feel like when you're in your twenties, it's very much a selfish pursuit. Or I certainly felt like it was a very selfish pursuit. Yeah, so it's all yeah. about me and what I wanted to do and what I wanted to achieve. And then your love, of your life comes along, and your wife's there, and you're like, actually. Now her her things are more important than mine, and I'll do what I need to do to make sh- make sure she's happy. So y- you kind of like chip away at that selfish nature of what you're trying to do, and then when kids come along, that's just like that's hammered <laughs> at like that's taken away because of what like yeah. you said. You have to go to work, and that, that's quite hard. I find that quite hard to deal with a little bit. Is that now? You no, know, Gordon, you don't you don't have enough money to <laughs> go and, to go to a Michelin star <laughs> restaurant on a Saturday evening just at a casual whim. which yeah. you know, it doesn't yeah. it doesn't really work like that, sadly. But you know. It's just, it's just one of those things, I guess, and you just got to deal with it. But yeah, I find I find that quite hard losing your sense of self, and you know, like I said, not being able to go to the Michelin star restaurant whenever you like because you've got you've you've got an important important family at home to look after. Yeah, uh, I I I presume riffing on these some of them, but <laughs> one of the ones that I find quite hard, and I didn't think I'd find this hard, but health visitors. Hmm. And I, I would say this is the hardest moments. You know, kind of not them not breathing was definitely a hardest moment. Like the weird thing to have to deal with, Laura going through post post um, post baby blues. But yeah, health visitors like someone coming into your home and basically like poking, prod- evaluating you to whether or not you are a good parent. Like that's that's a pretty hard thing to have to go through. But certainly mentally for me it was. And I'm kind of sat there. I've kind of I've put a nice t-shirt on. I've kind of shaved. <laughs> I've made myself.
1: <laughs> You've hoovered. You've cleaned the ba- bathroom. bathroom. Yeah, <laughs> I've hoovered.
0: I brush my teeth. Like you know, I yeah. probably put some nice socks on that don't have holes in. You know, maybe something she can compliment on. I don't know, <laughs> but
1: you definitely think they're they're there to, and, and they are there to suss you out because it's it's the safety of the child at the end of the day. But yeah, you definitely feel it got a ulterior ulterior motive. Well, yes, I don't know what that may be, but.
0: You kind of feel like that. That's kind of a weird, a weird one. And you, you probably would have had them more regularly because you had twins, wasn't it? Or
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got a lot of attention during the first kind of three months of of the boys being here, and rightly so because it's bloody hard. And they're there to give you support. They're there to offer charities if there's if you need help with charities and, and stuff like that. So yeah, at the end of the day, they're there to help you and they're there to support you. But on the other side of it, there is some kind of. Sussing you out, making sure you're actually so fit to be a parent type chat.
0: Which which is scary because the ramification, like the up, the upside and mm. downside. The upside is you're perfectly fine, it's not a problem, and you know you're that person. So it's not really an upside, it's just a neutral. But the yeah. bloody downside is they take your kid away.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I had a friend, and I won't name them, but they've got two kids. One I was age seven, one four-year-old and the four-year-old um, cracked their head open on a coffee table quite badly, got taken to A&E, stitched up, taken home. Next day, a health visitor came round to just suss them out because, I don't know, that like during the hospital visit, they must have triggered... And they're a genuine nice couple, but they must have triggered a doctor to think something or maybe something wasn't quite right. So, yeah, a health visitor came round to do a a, a check and, and deemed everything was fine, but it, was, it would have been horrible, like... Yeah. It's hard, some,
0: right? That that's a hard moment because you're some like, Some doctors referred you. Yeah, because I feel like I'm an upstanding citizen and stuff happens, right? You know, sometimes yeah. I drive sometimes I drive thirty and a twenty, you know, I'm getting somewhere. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. But, you know, like I don't feel like I'm like, I feel like I'm doing my best and then sometimes like having that type of judgment feels feels really difficult and it's kind of a bit weird and it feels intrusive and whatever else. But I'm sure they probably see much worse than they saw when they came around to <laughs> to our house, it was yeah. It, it pretty horrific. reasonably things. clean. There was there was one something I was going to say is because you know I I feel kind of prepared for today, and I was kind of hoping that I would come up with some you know actual hard moments. But let's be honest, the health visit and cover woman was not that hard. <laughs> one of the things that I found hard, and this is this is not taking away from Laura, like her what she talked about in terms of labour and everything that she went through on that. That's that's horrific, but I genuinely found. The process, like, quite traumatic. If I'm honest, you know, it was it, you know there was moments I had to take myself away from while whilst Laura was was in in labour. Not obviously not at the critical moments, but at times when I had to I had to step outside and I had to cry, like I just <laughs> and then yeah. I went I had to go down and get the a cheese toastie outside the at the vendor coffee place outside the maternity ward, and it was just oh. It, it's so hard to see the person that you you really love who and you know there's going to be something amazing happen at the end of this whole horrible process this horrible labor intensive process but there's just so much going through your head from i can't sh- sure that i'm worried i can't sure that i'm struggling myself i have to be strong i have to look after her. i have to like just you know man up in the odds the weird sense that potentially comes across these days but just you know, be a supporter, be a rock, be a, a listener, be a lucasid holder, be a fan holder. Like just talk and and you know, rub their hand and all that kind of stuff. But man, that was it, yeah. You know, it's no, nothing uh, in comp- nothing in comparison to labour. I I get that, but at the same time, like I was I was struggling. Like that was hard. That was really hard.
1: Yeah, I mean this this is an interesting podcast because hard, hardest moments. Yeah, I mean, you could go down a rabbit hole, and I've kind of mentioned it briefly, and I don't know how if I would ever touch on it in, in a podcast, in a, in a live forum. But when the twins were born, it was the first twelve to eighteen months it was really really hard, and yeah, went went to some pretty dark places, and just also questioning. Like, so I was I was always in my head, I want to. Oh, <laughs> Rebecca just walked in. Yeah, I I always questioned like I want two children, and that's all. I no more no less and then three came along and obviously i wouldn't change it for the world now but see when you're in that mindset and you're like you've got to process that now i've got three children and it's it's like i don't know 10 times harder than just one having two at the same time and then when to, you don't when three. you'd already had one as well right so yeah like and you, you, you've got that mental process so from the age of say 18 i don't know when i first thought of having kids but i always said i wanted two. that's probably because we had two me and you but Getting landed with three, there was always that question of like, why was this? Why does this, did did this happen to me? Type, type situation, and it, yeah, it was it was hard to process.
0: I guess that must be like a weird kind of like balance of this feels really negative because I understand the ramifications of what what is about to happen. Like this is going to be just the most impossible thing that I've ever even considered. But at the same time, you're having like a wonderful experience of celebrating <laughs> twins yeah having twin twin boys as well
1: identical super healthy like there's so many positive things coming out of it but and also like looping back i i i was challenging for the first six months but then she kind of eased away but i was like if if that's how bad six months is with one child what is it going to be like with twins yeah you (laughs) didn't um, have the
0: easy you didn't have the easiest time with isla she was uh, (laughs) a She was a non-sleeping kind of tricky. She got measles and mumps and chicken pox at the same time, or something. You had to take yeah. her to the hospital in like some random place because she was breaking out in the middle of the Isle of or something. You had to get an ambulance. Like you had a it, you had a <laughs> shit ton of crap go on with Isla. Like if I if I compare Isla to Olivia, like we've basically got an angel. That's there's absolutely nothing wrong with her. Yeah, I I can only imagine that your brain must have just been like, hold hold the phone. Like if we if <laughs> we have, have two, two of these.
1: <laughs> yeah so yeah, the, the first 12 18 months that was hard and i, I don't know what we call this podcast because maybe it's maybe not the hardest moments but hard moments of being a dad one, like, might be more one, one of the
0: one of the things that i think i was i was listening to Ali writing his book and they were talking about sort of the idea of millennial burnout right you know gen z millennials will be like oh you know i'm so so burnt out i've been working so many hours that kind of thing and I I am being a bit of a knob towards that generation me and Neil are millennials, but I think I think people get what I'm talking about here. And the discussion was kind of like parents they 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 don't get burnt out like <laughs> you <laughs> you know you're tired but you don't turn around and go oh, th- sorry sorry Laura but I'm feeling really burnt out I'm gonna have to take uh, five <laughs> days off and some get some CBD down my neck just to you know cover my adrenals. I'll the see laundry. you in five days. <laughs> <laughs> like that, that doesn't happen, does it? And what I'm curious from a question for me, if that's that's probably one of the hardest moments of your life. You, you know, what what did you do? Did you just like process it? You just do a process thing where you just get up, you do the thing, go to sleep, get up, do the thing, go to sleep. Was that kind of what you were doing? Or
1: yeah, I, mean, I think I think time. I mean, lots of people say time's a great healer, and I think that's probably right. And and building connection as well with the boys. So as they got older, that connection with their dad was was stronger. In the early days, it's obviously very much mum, 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 breastfed, all that stuff. So yeah, I think there, there, there's no kind of silver bullet or checklist of like this is this is what you should do every day to to get on the right track. Were you like it were you just time.
0: envisaging 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 what the future would hold if you just got through this? Were you sort of thinking, ah, oh, this will be amazing. I've got two boys are going to be grown up. They're going to be healthy. Were you sort of thinking about that? And then you know imprinting something in your brain to get over you know a bit like if you're being tortured i might add if you're being tortured i imagine one way to get through it is take yourself to a faraway place on a you know a deserted <laughs> island where they're sipping a margarita were you doing things like that
1: yeah i, I definitely there was there's some kind of focus on on the future and what what it's going to be like but also i guess just i'm kind of getting my head in the right place of, of where i was during that time was an I sound obsessed but running was it was a definitely and i've I've said it before an escape, and there's probably there's proven scientific studies based on your mental health and all that and running and processing stuff and yeah, just just getting through it I also took to journaling quite a bit during different times, so like I remember I used to write write this I don't know where I got it from a podcast, maybe, but there's three columns on a on a bit of paper, and there's like things I can change, things I can't change, I can't remember. What the third column was, but things that can change, things that can't can't change. And if you write down all the things you can't change, then just forget about them. Like they're they're they've happened. They're now in progress. Just leave them there on that bit of paper, and then focus on the things you can change. So you can change your mood. You can change your mindset towards the boys. You can try and build a better relationship. Spend more time with them. All that kind of stuff. So yeah, maybe that's some kind of advice if you're a if you're a dad of of even just one one child and you're struggling in a dark place then. Think of the things you can control, and focus do, on them.
0: Do you feel do you, do you look at things now differently when it comes to like suffering or pain or tiredness or exhaustion or sadness? Do you look at things now differently where you're like, yeah, actually, I'm I'm not bad this <laughs> this time. I'm not actually that tired, or I'm not that sad, and I feel perfectly perky because I reflect back on the time that I had twins. And I didn't sleep for six months.
1: Oh, 100%. 100%. I mean, that's why I can easily. And like this morning, I was up at five in the morning. Yesterday, I was up at five in the morning. Like, I regularly get up at that time when nobody else is up and go for a run. And it doesn't matter what the weather is. Like, I just, I find that easy. And that's because I do reflect back on like, I used to get two, three hours sleep for probably 12 months. I used to continually help Rebecca feed the boys during the night, go to work drive to Glasgow, because that's where I was based. That's like an hour drive. So that, yeah, all this stuff kind of hardens you and makes you a stronger person. And you can definitely tell, if you work with somebody and they haven't had kids, you can definitely tell who they are. <laughs> that's not a dig at anybody I work with, by the way, but yeah, it's just that sense of like, oh, I went a long lie today or, yeah, just put in some... Oh,
0: I, I love it when someone at work, because I'm the only one at work that has a kid, that's in the office. I love it when someone at work goes.
1: Oh, I'm really tired. <laughs> just stand up and say, "Excuse me. What do you mean?"
0: <laughs> no, I actually just go up, to whisper in the ear, and just go. Do you know what? Do you know what it feels like to not go to sleep?
1: Do you <laughs> get tortured every hour?
0: Last, last but not least, has to be the the, the was these are hard moments, but. I had, a, I had this odd fear of like how fragile they are when they're a kid, when they're like when they're a baby, like just out the womb kind of thing. Like, oh my god, if I, th- what if I, like if I do it too tight, or if I do it to this, or I do it to that, or if I pick them up like this, or if I don't support the head like that. It's just kind of like weird. You feel you feel incredibly strong compared to they do, and you you just don't know if you're like doing too much, too little, holding them in the right position, doing those things. And I find that quite hard to begin with. But then after a few weeks, I got totally over it, and I was like, <laughs> nah, these things are fine. You could just like let them lie there, and they'll be all right.
1: Yeah, I mean they're they're hardy things, and touch wood I've never had any issues. Definitely by the second and third child, you'll just be totally relaxed. Even at day, day one, hour one, you'll you'll smash it. Yeah, because
0: you just know, you just know now. Because at first, when you have your first one. It's really hard to not think that they are like super fragile, and you have to be yeah. so like soft and gentle and like whatever. Their fingers,
1: else. their toes, they're just tiny.
0: Everything, but they are tiny and they they are fragile. Like I'm not saying that I didn't take care of Olivia and be nice, but then after a couple of weeks, when they start filling out a bit, they've had a bit of breast milk or they start filling, whatever. Like they are not that fragile. They are <laughs> they are robust little things, and I can see why we've we've survived to this point at the very least. I mean, she's not like obviously up walking around, pouring herself a cup of tea and you know cooking herself a fillet steak, but. At the end of the day, she's she's doing all right, I think. Yeah,
1: yeah. I'll I'll end end my one on again. It's not the hardest, but it's certainly a hard thing. I probably daily or if not weekly, I I think about and like is knowing what's right and what's best for the future. So I've I've read a few books about kind of brain development in children. I've listened to unconditional parenting audiobooks and and all that kind of stuff, and they've all got different nuances of of how you should and shouldn't parent. Some good advice. And stuff like that and it's like what i'm doing now is going to obviously have an impact to my kids and then my grandkids because kids are just magnets and they're just soaking in information of what i'm teaching them and that's generally how they they will parent so yeah there the, there is a hard part of it where i'm like what's the what's the impact in 10 years 18 years time to what i'm saying now what i'm doing now as a parent my parenting style and that kind of thing i don't know if you've ever thought of that
0: I guess so, but then there's kind of like part of me. There's that list thing you just talked about. You know, what are the things that I can control? I guess there's my attitude to stuff, the way that I behave, the language that I use, the time that I spend, and the things that I offer. That's that's in my control. Like I can I can do that. But sometimes I think that if if Olivia if Olivia turns out to be a little brat, like, is is that on me? I don't know. Maybe some of it is. Maybe some of it isn't. But I, I, I'm not sure I can control that. Like I, I, I can bestow some. Info, I can do my best to, to give a give across how a human being should interact, and how they should behave, and hopefully, you know, fingers crossed, it turns out all right. So, I guess I'm kind of like half and half in that. Where I just, I'll try, I'll just do what I think is best, and at the end of the day, that's the only thing I control. The outcome is the outcome, and she'll turn out yeah. how she wants to turn out. I guess.
1: No, yeah, that's pretty fair, and I, I do sympathise for parents that. And we haven't had it, thankfully. But there is, there are kids in nursery and in school that I don't know go to violence and hit kids, and and that's another another kettle fishing story. But I do feel for the parents because if if I was in their shoes and if I heard that Isla had hit somebody in the face or kicked them or something like that, I would feel awful and I'd be like questioning like where where she got that from. But yeah, sometimes you get the end of the day, you've got to be as long as you're distilling that like that's not right and have that frank conversation and all that good stuff. Yeah. You can't be yeah. really
0: control. Yeah, I think I think so. Like I think I agree. But then, you know, equally, just because your kids kick someone in the face doesn't mean they're going to turn out to be a serial killer.
1: Yes, yes, I agree. E- you
0: know, and and equally, <laughs> equally, your your approach to it is kind of the, the part that you can control. You know, like you say when you when you telling telling Ben that you shouldn't tell people in the supermarket that they're overweight. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's exp- it's explaining to them why that's not appropriate, and and then guiding them through that process. But if she goes and kicks another kid in the head, like what can you do? Like it's not, like it's not, it's not like you can just chain her up and be like, you cannot kick any kids in the head. You're like, look, we've got to go through this again. Like you yeah. keep going and keep repeating that yeah. process. You know, I I think that's I don't know. I, I'm kind of part and part. I'm I'm half and half. Where yes, I want to do my best and I want to control the things I can control. But when she's 18, like what are you going to do?
1: Yeah, bit bit of a a challenge to you. So Olivia's in school. She's primary four, primary five, so she's maybe like, I don't know, eight, nine, ten-ish. And she gets bullied, she gets hurt, she gets physically hit. And you know where the parents live. Are you going around there to chat to the dad or the mum about what just happened?
0: I think there's a kind of, one of my my old clients, my old personal training clients, had one of these scenarios. His son was getting bullied at school. And there was two options, certainly in his head anyway. The first option was exactly what you've talked about. The idea of, you know, the parents having a conversation, the children having a conversation, the teachers having a conversation, the usual civility. You know, talk to each other, use your emotions. His other solution was if that if that and this was kind of agreed, he was like, Look, if this doesn't work, he's gonna punch him in the face. And I was kind of like, Part of me agrees with that. Yeah. Because you've tried you've tried the civil route. And some people don't listen. But it's just like if you tell if you tell Isla, don't touch that, that's a hot plate. And she goes and touches it and she burns her hand. Like she's gonna learn that that's like that she's gonna listen pretty quickly. And one of his theories was the idea that ultimately you're going to get bullied throughout your life. There are gonna be people who will try and take advantage of you. And he's not saying that you just go and punch a work colleague in the face because they're a bully. But you've got to have the confidence to stand your ground, and sometimes you've got to stand your ground where you're you're presenting something physical. I guess you know you're yeah, you're using yeah. your voice, you're using your tone of voice, the loudness of your voice, your size, like who you are. You, sometimes you've got to use that to your advantage, or use it. So, I guess in my scenario, I'd be like I'd I'd I take I take the adult approach and have a difficult conversation and have it in person. I hope. I hope that's what I would do. But still, if it continued, I'd be like, nah, just punch her in the face.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. Yeah, okay, Well, we'll end up on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I guess well, just, I, I've got some parting advice, wisdom. We we, we touched on it earlier, but... Do you, do you... Hold on a minute, hold on, hold on. Before you
0: part us, part us with your Gandalf wisdom, Neil, your hashtag dad life wisdom, do you
1: now prepare yourself for these? Because you think I'm going to ask you the question... <laughs> Maybe subconsciously, I haven't written anything down. It's just, uh, and it's something we mentioned earlier that I just wanted to reiterate.
0: Are you ready? We'll get
1: some drums. It's just, and as I said, we mentioned it before, but focus on what you can control. So, dads, you will go through dark times, and you will go through sleepless nights, and you will go through some kind of bout of is this actually worth it? Is this was the child a mistake, and and all that stuff like. Just focus on what you can't control. You've got a child. Do your best to raise them well. And um, and yeah, get a notepad and pen. A notepad, a pencil, line down the page, write on it what you can't control on the, on the right-hand side and left-hand side what you can't control and forget about the stuff you can't control because there's no point in worrying about it.
0: That's fair. And yeah, I guess... Don't feel guilty. My passing Passing regards are, don't feel guilty. Like Things are hard, and they will be hard throughout your, your child-raising endeavours. But don't feel guilty if you have to take time for yourself. It'll only be good for you. Done. Excellent. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening to episode 25. Yes, 25, a quarter of a century already. 25 of the Developing Dad podcast. We are on all of the usual channels, Instagram, YouTube, if Neil ever posts reels on Instagram, hopefully you might do it this time. <laughs> uh, he's been putting in a huge amount of effort. They actually did quite well for for our social, for views and stuff, Neil. So they're probably worth doing.
1: Yeah, thanks.
0: But, but either way, if you have any comments, any thoughts, any questions, it, developing, developing Dads on Instagram, and obviously we're across all the Spotify, all the jobbies, and you can catch this episode on YouTube. But either way... I hope you you the one and a half listeners who have managed to get to the end of this podcast it must be at two
1: now. Get to the end.
0: Maybe. Who <laughs> knows? If you've enjoyed it, thank you very much. I hope you're a lovely week. And we shall see you in episode twenty six, which I don't know what we're gonna do yet, but we'll see. Anyway, see you later. Sounds good.